peace be with you. I invite you as we gather for worship together this morning to take about three deep breaths to center yourself in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Come, all who are hungry and thirsty. Come this day to the Lord. Here we will find welcome and sustenance. Here we will seek God's face. Come to this time of worship and praise. be seated. Welcome to worship here at Westminster, whether this is your first time or you've been coming for some time. We're glad that you're here. I hope that you take a moment today before you leave to welcome those around you 
It's good to start practicing as the fall approaches to be extra welcoming to those who may be visiting and looking for a church home. So reach out, introduce yourself. Don't be attached to your personal pew. If somebody's sitting there who's new, all those lovely things. During the offering, we invite you to share the pew register, to put your contact information in it, pass it down and back so that those around you might know who they are worshiping with by name. And now let's come together as one body in prayer and pray the community prayer written in your bulletin together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to this place with different needs. Some of us are wrestling with problems that threaten to overwhelm us. Some of us are crying out for healing, for relevance, for refuge. Some of us are hungering for what you alone can provide. Some of us are rejoicing in thanksgiving for the blessings in our lives. In this time and in this place, O God, meet us face to face in both our joy and our sorrow. Help us to be aware of and respond to your love and your grace. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Know that we are forgiven. Know that we have been set free and be at peace. Amen. Now invite the children forward for a time of discovery. Oh, it's okay. You sit up. I'll sit down here. All right. All right. Nice to see all of you. Well, good morning and welcome. I want to tell you a story. Someone else coming? Oh. Not little ones, okay. Once there was this one who said such amazing things and did such wonderful things that people just had to follow him. And his name was Jesus. One day, Jesus came to a certain town to visit two women. The first was named Mary. Hey, buddy. Uh, Other people might want to see. Yeah. There we go. We can redo this one at home. Okay, good. All right. First was named Mary. And she sat and she listened to everything 
that Jesus said. The other was named Martha. And she was so busy all these chores to do. She was in constant motion. She got frustrated watching Mary listen to Jesus and not help her. So frustrated that she asked Jesus, do you even care that Mary isn't helping me? And Jesus responded, Martha, you're worried and distracted by so many things. Only one thing is important, and Mary has chosen it, and it can't be taken from her. Now, I wonder which part of the story you like the best. And I wonder which part of the story is most important to you. I wonder which part of the story you like the least. I wonder if there's part of the story you could leave out and still have enough of the story. And I wonder which part of the story is most about you. Today in Sunday school, you're going to explore that story. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere. One of the ways we build up this community is to hold one another in prayer, to check in with joys and concerns going on in our lives. So if you have one, I've got several to share, but I'd like you to go first. If you have something to share with this body of faith, just raise your hand and speak up so everyone can hear you. Peter. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, so many of you may remember Anton Schwartz, who, uh, along with his family, was a member here several years ago. He's back visiting, and what Peter is alluding to is that there may be some contemplation of relocation, and Peter is lobbying shamelessly for here, but uh, it's wonderful to have you. Welcome. And please give our love to your family as well. Others? Yeah, Elizabeth. Yes, thank you for mentioning it. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. Um, many of you know Dominic Phillips from uh, one of our youth. Among other things, he wrote a gorgeous poem that we use this year at Christmas. Uh, he has some medical challenges, and he's facing a very significant back surgery. A couple weeks in the hospital, months of recovery at home, and we ask that you hold the Phillips family in prayer. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. Others? Bruce?
Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Bruce's great niece is going through the trials and tribulation of doctor's advice and potential surgery and all kinds of challenges. And so we, we hold you and them in prayer. Others? Yeah, Denny. Thank you, Denny. Denny uh, lifts up a, a, a concern. He saw the inconvenient sequel, uh, the Al Gore film, uh, last night. And, and if you are somebody who cares passionately about that as a matter of faith, there are a number of people in the congregation working to do our part on that. So you can find Mary Mosteller or Judy Sachs to connect. Thank you, Denny. Others? Yeah, Mimi. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Happy birthday to Peter Wirtz. And we're glad to see Peter Sayers here after uh, foot surgery. Uh, and, and we get to even hear him sing, which is a joy. Others? A couple I'll add then. Oh, Mari, go ahead. successful procedure for Mari, and we give thanks for the, the medical staff, and we're happy to see you doing well. Uh, this weekend is a weekend of celebration, as well as mourning. On Friday at 5 is the memorial service for Mary Luring. Bethany will be conducting that as a member of this community. You're, of course, welcome to that. Um, and two weddings this weekend in the congregation. Ruthie and Clark will be getting married uh, on Saturday, and where are Marsha and Bob? Where were you? Marsha and Bob will be getting married on Sunday. And so we uh, join in praise and celebration, and at coffee hour next week will be um, an ongoing celebration for Ruth E. and Clark, so congratulations. Any others? I have one more otherwise. Some of you know Marissa Daney. She was an interim youth director here who, f who filled in uh, a couple years ago. Um, seminary, was a seminary student at the time, now a chaplain in the city. Her father, who is a pastor, died uh, the day before yesterday um, after suffering a massive heart attack the month before, and so she asks your prayers for her family. With that, let's um, enter into a posture of prayer, and then we will join in the Lord's Prayer. Gracious God, our words are imprecise instruments to give voice to the blessings you have given. Inadequate in naming the joys we experience in life. And sometimes falling short to describe the sorrows 
But we know, O oh God, that you intercede with sighs too deep for words. And we rest in your prayer, in your voice, and in your quiet. And now we join our voices together in the prayer that Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. last couple weeks we've been hearing parts of Jacob's story and today we continue hearing a little more about Jacob with selections from Genesis chapters 32 and 33. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? 
Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. What is your name? Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God's face to face, and yet my life has been preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? The children whom God has graciously given your servant. What do you mean by all this company that I met? To find favor with my Lord. I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, If I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So Rick Hamlin is an author and a blogger, and he wrote a reflection on going for a morning jog. He says this, As I jogged, I called to a neighbor, Good morning, keep it up. She used to be a walker, he says, and now was jogging. Pretty impressive. She deserved all the encouragement I could muster. Good morning to you, she called back to me. I turned the corner and spotted a man with a dog picking mulberries off the tree and eating them. Taste good, I asked as I huffed and puffed. He nodded and smiled. Going up the hill, I caught the glorious scent of cut grass, the blades brushing against my shoes. Morning, I said to the man I see every morning when I jog. Same spot, same time. Today he was wearing a t-shirt with Martin Luther King Jr.'s portrait on it. Nice shirt, I said. He waved. Out of the park, heading back home, I saw my neighbor Michael jogging toward me. His wife had a very scary cancer diagnosis three months ago. I've been praying for her and for him. What a roller coaster. I turned around and jogged with him for a block. How's she doing, I asked. She got her first treatment this week, he said. It's just a pill so she can go to work afterward. They're going to try it for three weeks. I will keep hoping, I said, and praying. Now, Hamlin concludes his story by reflecting, had I seen God's face while I jogged? Maybe not exactly, but in seeking it, I had seen God's presence in mulberries, joggers, t-shirts, cut grass, and the care of doctors treating a friend. Seeing God's face, being face-to-face with God, Now, it's something we hear Jacob talk about not once, but twice in this story from Genesis. 
The first time comes after he wrestles with a mystery man all night long. Now, the story at the beginning isn't very clear about who this man is. And I wonder if at first Jacob might think that this man is perhaps his brother Esau. Let me give you just a little backstory to what you heard today. Jacob and Esau are brothers. And the last time that they were together, which is several years prior, Jacob tricked his elderly father into giving him the very special blessing that was meant for Esau, the firstborn. And when Esau finds out about this trickery, he is furious, saying even that he is going to kill his brother Jacob. So Jacob runs away and stays away for many, many years. But now finally, Jacob and Esau are going to meet again, and Jacob doesn't know what to think. For all he knows, Esau's fury has just been growing and growing through the years. So Jacob actually sends some messengers ahead, just kind of check out the situation. The messengers see Esau, and they come back to Jacob, and they tell him, yes, Esau is coming, and he has 400 men with him. Jacob's not too happy about this. He, well, certainly that means that Esau is coming to kill me. So then again, he sends out his servants along with all his livestock, hoping that maybe this gift of all these animals will appease Esau at least a little bit. But even that isn't enough. Jacob is still feeling a little uncertain. So he sends, he goes ahead and sends his family ahead as well. And then he finds himself as night falls all by himself. And that's where the story that we heard picks up. He's there all by himself. And then a man comes and starts wrestling with them. And I wonder if he thought it was Esau, maybe just come to finish him off right then and there. But as they keep wrestling it becomes clear that Jacob actually doesn't know this man with whom he wrestles. And in fact, as the sun begins to rise, Jacob asks the man to tell him his name. And he doesn't get a straight answer, but he does receive a blessing. And after receiving this blessing, Jacob declares, truly I have seen God face to face. So does that mean that it was God with whom Jacob wrestled? Maybe. Some scholars say that perhaps it was an angel, a messenger of God. I think the story is a little vague on who this character was because the important thing is not necessarily did Jacob literally see the face of God. Now what the story is about is a divine encounter so profound, so filled with blessing that Jacob knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he did see God face to face. And then immediately after this encounter, he goes to meet his brother. And rather than approaching Jacob in anger, when Esau sees his brother, he runs to him and he hugs him and he kisses him. And the two men begin to weep. And Esau and Jacob looks at the face of Esau and says, To see your face is like seeing the face of God. For you have received me with such favor. Another moment so profound, so filled with blessing, that Jacob knows he has seen God face to face.
Now, it's an interesting phrase, right, to see the face of God or to see God face to face, and it seems to mean several different things. You know, for Rick Hamlin, as he jogged, to see God face to face really meant to seek out the presence of God. You know, rather than just running right by his neighbors, Hamlin stopped. And if only for a brief moment, he made the effort to connect in a very specific way with each person. And in those moments, Hamlin saw the face of God. Now compare that to Jacob who wasn't seeking God's presence at all. His encounters were a surprise, a man coming to him in the middle of the night, Esau approaching him with favor rather than anger. But even though Jacob wasn't necessarily seeking out God's presence, when those encounters happened, Jacob was fully aware, fully aware that he had seen the face of God. Two very different encounters, right? A struggle through the middle of the night, a loving reconciliation. And both times, he sees God face to face. Now, one other example comes from the story Les Miserables. The main character, Jean Valjean, has spent 19 years in prison for a rather minor crime. And those years have hardened him, filled him with hate. And in fact, when he's released, one of the first things he does is to break parole and go on the run. But as the story continues, we see Valjean slowly transform and slowly open himself to being loved and to loving others. And we see this especially in his relationship with a young girl named Cosette. Now, Valjean takes guardianship of Cosette when her mother dies. And throughout the story, we see their love blossoming and growing. And in fact, at the very end of the story, Valjean hands Cosette a letter. And he said on that letter is written his confessions. And he tells her, it's the story of one who turned from hating, a man who learned to love. Remember the truth that once was spoken, to love another person is to see the face of God. Now, Valjean, who after so many years in prison, probably doubted if he could ever love or trust again. Yet, the love that he experienced in his relationship with Cosette was so transformative. Valjean knew that that love was seeing the face of God. Now, I really appreciate that there are so many ways that we humans, we mere mortals, can encounter God face to face. You know, sometimes it will be us specifically seeking out God's presence. Sometimes it will be a surprise, an unexpected encounter that is so filled with blessing that we know we have been in the presence of God. And then other times in our lives, it's a slow transformation. Weeks, months, years as we move from hate to love or discord to peace or brokenness to wholeness. But it's a transformation so profound that we know we have encountered God face to face. Now this love and this grace, this transformation truly is freely, unconditionally given to each one of us. 
But that's not to say that we don't have a role in these encounters. You know, Rick Hamland, as he jogged, was very clearly seeking out God, was stopping and relating to his neighbors one-on-one. Jacob was not seeking, but once he was a part of that encounter, he opened himself to blessing, to change. Now, wrestling with a stranger in the middle of the night, approaching a brother who perhaps wants to kill you, not easy things. Jacob easily could have turned and ran the other way. In fact, Jacob was a little bit of a scoundrel. Wouldn't have been so surprising if he'd said, forget it, I'm out of here. But Jacob stayed. He engaged. And in the engagement, he was blessed. And then finally, we have Valjean. Would have been understandable if he'd just sort of turned himself off to love, to relationships after 19 years in prison. Yet he opened his heart and his life to Cosette and was changed in the process. Each of these people playing a very significant role in their face-to-face encounters with God. And I think about that as we come here to the Lord's table this morning. For we also have a role to play in this meal. At this table is an invitation to each one of us to receive the love of God. And then also to go and share that love with each other. At this table is an invitation for each one of us to receive the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And then to go and offer that forgiveness to one another. At this table is an invitation to come and encounter God face to face. And then to go and continue to seek and to find the face of God long after this meal is over. May it be so. Amen.
It's my pleasure at this time to invite forward Patty Sanders from the Presbytery and uh, on behalf of Pedal for Protein to speak about an important opportunity for us to support those in need in our region. Patty. Good morning. I want to thank you so much for your support in the past three years and for support this year for our fourth year of Pedal for Protein. In our first three years, we have raised just under $100,000, all of which has been donated to food banks for protein to our food pantries. Why do we pedal for protein? The Southern Marin Food Pantry, hosted by St. Andrew in Marin City, told us in a recent grant, the Hunger Task Force, that protein foods donations have declined in recent years. And from the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, we hear that the high cost of housing, one out of four people in Marin County are at risk of hunger. 25% of the children that live in Marin qualify for free lunch. And one-third of our seniors live below the self-sustainability standard of $27,000 a year. So we pedal for protein and your support. Every dollar raised is donated to local food banks and food projects in our presbytery, and we send a small amount to the Presbyterian Hunger Program for the international hunger work. Please support your WPC writers. Uh, Louis Burkout and Jeff Slavich have signed up this year. We hope a few more of you will sign up. And you can help support uh, out at the tables uh, in the, your uh, foyer there with our Petal for Protein products, uh, coffee, tea, and chocolate from Equal Exchange, and Global Traps, Crafts, all fair trade. Thank you very much. Thank you, Patty. As she said, she'll be out there in the lobby with all kinds of interesting things on her tables, and there'll be more information about how to support Lewis and Jeff as they ride in September. I find it interesting that we're talking about protein and feeding those in need on this Sunday where we are invited here to the Lord's table. And as we come, know that all are invited, know that all are welcome to share in this meal. When the time comes, the ushers will direct you forward by the center aisle. You're invited to simply take a piece of bread from the plate, then dip it lightly in the cup, and that way partake of both of the elements together. There'll be one plate in the middle with gluten-free bread, if that is important to you. You can then return to your seats by the side aisles. And Rob and I will be here at the front for a time of additional prayer. If you would like that, we'll be standing here. Now Jesus reminds us to come to the table in peace. So I invite you as you are comfortable to stand and share the peace of Christ with one another.
Friends, at this table, your whole self is welcome. Those pieces of you that feel complete, that feel whole, that feel beautiful. And also those places in your lives that feel broken or empty or unhealed. Come to this table to celebrate the bond you have with Christ or because you seek to experience it for the first time. Come to this table to be forgiven or to come or come to cultivate forgiveness in your own heart for another. Come because of your struggles or come simply to rejoice in the peace and happiness that you enjoy. Come for the reconciliation embodied in this ritual or come because of the hope that it promises. Please join me. God be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. O oh God, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, creator and renewer of all life. Time and again you seek us out, breathing again the breath of life into the deflated places in our lives. And so we come to your table again to praise you, to meet you face to face, and to taste yet again what your steadfast love can do. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with those others considered unworthy. Through him, faith and hope were born again for so many. And so as we remember the words and acts of Jesus, we offer our own lives, leaving behind what we do not need, seeking new paths full of risen life in you. As followers of Christ, in communion with the saints and prophets from all times and places, we proclaim and live out this holy mystery as we lift our voices in praise. Friends, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. Come, for all things are now ready.
Let us pray. Holy God, having been fed body and soul at your table, may we be free to go into your world loving without condition, inviting without hesitance, living without reservation, and proclaiming your love to all. Amen. I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn, 504. Now as you go from this place, know that the love of God, our Creator, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer, goes with you now and always. Amen.